It's crossover Thursday, so that means we're going to be getting some enemy intel today from the Lockdown Broncos podcast. And the good news for the Chargers is that Joey Bosa and some other star players will be back for the game. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always, my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And thank you for making us your first listen. We have been covering the Chargers for over five seasons. We started doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. Now this is our fourth season as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. And we're getting back to our live roots here. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, and subscribe there. We've been loving doing that with you guys. And, of course, as always, the show is for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. And make sure to rate and review if you like the show as well. But, David, more good COVID news on today's show. The Chargers have gotten some stars back. And it's possible they get everyone back at this yes. point, right? At least through the yes. guys that were put on today. Because there was a couple more guys put on the list on Wednesday. And we'll talk about that as well. But seeing Joey Bosa's name get activated. Seeing Corey Lindsley's name get activated, which is something with it's been so much uncertainty, even with the new lenient rules. You still love to see those names coming off the list, right? And hearing Brandon say, we say that, you know, technically everyone is still available for this upcoming game, but we will get into the lockdown Broncos crossover as well. And we'll get into the differences, you know, what they get with Drew Locke, who, as it was reported on Wednesday, will probably be starting against the Chargers and the differences between him and Teddy Bridgewater. And if there's any chinks in that great defense, that's now, the leading defense and scoring defense in the NFL. So great conversation with Cody Rourke and Sayer Bettinger there. But David, more names coming off of the COVID list. I mean, that is great news. Obviously, like I said, Joey Bosa, and that's a huge name for the Chargers, especially after last week and the lack of defense. Corey Lindsley, Jalen Guyton, Keeman Hall, and Trey Marshall. So like I was saying before, like even though we had it, you know, a good feeling that these guys would come back, it's still great to see those names. And that's going to be the good part. I mean, we're probably going to see more names pop up on the list throughout the week. I mean, that's just kind of the way it's been so far. But still great to see these guys coming back with a little bit of rest, getting ready for a must-win game this weekend. Yeah, you're getting a lot of your captains, a lot of your leaders back on both sides of the ball. You get Corey Lindsley back, who's been one of the best players on the Chargers this year, regardless of position. He's been absolutely phenomenal, yeah. and he's taken a lot off of Justin Herbert's plate, you know, turning around, looking at the defense, gathering as much information as possible, trying to get his fellow uh, offensive linemen, uh, you know, in the right situations, make sure that they're educated on, on what the defensive fronts are going to be and what they're going to face, and getting all that information to Justin Herbert and taking care of some of those protections. He's obviously been integral to Justin Herbert's success. And then Joey Bosa, it, it really goes without saying what he brings to the table. He, he just does everything at an extremely high level. He is a very, very good pass rusher, as we all know. But he's also extremely physical in the running game. And that endless motor and that, that great passion and energy that he plays with was sorely missed in the last game. So but having both of those guys back for this game is massive. William, for Joey Bosa, I mean, theoretically, what he does for the rest of your defense as well. I mean, giving other guys single matchups. I mean, you saw what it looked like last week when, you know, the other team knows who your best edge rusher is and can take that away and you're trying Wosu and you don't have another guy on the other side to make them not do that, right? And right. the Chargers had three pressures 
last week. So I'd say yeah. getting Joey Bosa back is huge. You got Chris Rumpf back yesterday. So you also have Kyler Fackrell, who's working his way back from injured reserve. Brandon Staley made it seem like he's not coming back this week. But still, you need that rotation, especially as the season ends. Hopefully, they can get him back by the Raiders game. And hopefully, that's still a very important game. And there's some you know more important names that went on the list for the Chargers on Wednesday, mainly starting right tackle Storm Norton, right? Which it's crazy that we're stressing about Storm Norton, right? Potentially yeah. being on the COVID list, but it was Storm Norton and Kenneth Murray. And like I said before, Brandon Staley did say that everyone on the list is still potentially available for Sunday's game. And I mean, there's still some huge names on the list. Michael Davis, Nazir Adderley, Mike Williams, Storm Norton, Trey Pipkins, Dustin Hopkins, Chris Harris Jr., just to name a few. I mean, those are the biggest ones, obviously. But the one thing about that, though, David, and, you know, Kenneth Murray was put on the list as well. And, of course, right now that doesn't feel like with the other names on there that it's, you know, the leading story here. But there's two big names on there because it's not only Storm Norton, but Trey Pipkins was also already put on the list this week as well. And Brandon Staley did say that he expected both of those guys to be back this week, which it's hard to say how you can feel confident in anything at this point. Obviously, the new regulations make you feel better about it because really, who starts at right tackle after your second and third string right tackles can't go? Yeah, that's the big question. I think uh, looking at looking at this right now, I think the Chargers would be wise to probably prepare Michael Schofield to play right tackle because he has played right tackle for the Chargers and in the NFL before, and he's a serviceable guy. I mean, he gets his job done for the most part. He doesn't do anything spectacularly. He's not going to really get your pancakes but he is just a solid offensive lineman. He's been a good pickup for the Chargers. I think when you know they plug and played him in uh, after the injury uh, to O'Day, you really didn't see a whole lot of drop off there. So that's credit to him, you know, credit to his ability. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the option. And um, obviously, I think we hope that Trey Pipkins or uh, you know Storm Norton's able to come back and get activated off the list because they need all kinds of protection. And I know it's crazy. To, to hear us talking about that the way that we've talked about both of those players at different points in this season. But that's the way it is going in this game. They need their best five offensive linemen out there against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, they do. And I mean, I think Ode Bushi was definitely better than Michael Schofield. I mean, I oh, think there sure. was definitely a gap there, but at least Schofield's been serviceable and that's really yeah. all you can ask. And that's what you hope he can be at right tackle, but that still leaves a right guard spot that would have to get filled. And if that's the case, is it Senio Calamete that's going to be there who had such a rough performance? Please is it give Brandon, Brandon Imus an opportunity, man. That's what I, mean, I want to see. I, yeah, I mean, of course, we all want to see it. But, I mean, as far as we know, this team doesn't trust them to go out there. At least they didn't last time they needed a replacement at guard. And I just think that's something that has to be, you know, very worrisome for the Chargers because they do have a pretty – Good interior pass rush to the Denver Broncos. You have guys like Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris in the middle there. And obviously a guy like Bradley Chubb as well, who can be a game breaker on any given Sunday. But that is going to be huge. And I think the biggest thing now, David, is just waiting on bated breath to see what other names pop up this week. I mean, obviously it's going in a positive direction. You don't expect these other players who just tested positive, obviously, to test positive again so close together, even though I'm sure it's technically possible. You feel pretty safe about those guys. But at the same time, with the five-day rule right now, with if your you know symptoms are improving, you can come off in five days, especially for like the vaccinated players and stuff like that. Yeah, you have a real chance to get back by Sunday. But now every day from today forward, that's when you're really afraid to start seeing some names pop up. Because now if you see that, I mean, unless they get, you know, 
back-to-back negative tests on Friday and Saturday, they won't be able to go Sunday, which could play a huge factor. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody that you see that pops up on the list, you know, starting from today on, the likelihood of them being available for Sunday is very, very slim. I don't think that that's a situation that's going to happen. And that really makes you wonder, I mean, who else on the offensive line who hasn't uh, been ruled out um, could potentially get ruled out or test positive. And that's another thing that really scares you to death because, yeah, the Chargers might may not be ready to throw Brendan Hymas out there, but if anyone else tests positive, they might not have a choice. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's not just the offensive line, right? I mean, I think we all know if there's one person in particular, knock on what if he tests positive, the game's over before. Yeah, we're, we're not even going to say his name because we no, don't want to like, jinx it. No, but like that's the reality that we're living in yeah. right now where it's Absolutely. that up for grabs and it's so much just about the timing because if you test positive on a Monday now, you still have a decent chance of playing. Yeah. You test positive on a Friday, it's literally just a timing thing, which is just yeah. what makes it all such a crapshoot. But in other COVID news, though, the Chargers did activate Tristan Viscaino, uh, who would be potentially take the place of Dustin Hopkins, who is still on the, you know, COVID reserve list right now. And that is another scary proposition. You know, obviously they felt confident in him sticking around on the practice squad, but the results that we saw in the game told a very different story. And I think this is obviously a game where points are going to be at a premium. So you're hoping Dustin Hopkins can come back because he still definitely has a chance to with Tristan Viscaino going up against a good defense, a defense that, you know, you might have to take the extra point or the field goal. And not yeah. just have Brandon Staley go for it, to, you know, go for it or go for two, even though I think we'll see it in this game for sure. That's oh, yeah. something to, to monitor as well, because that's obviously a drop out there because Dustin Hopkins has been great. Good news is Andre Roberts is back and he's been the other huge you, special dude. teams boon for the Chargers. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is crossover Thursday. So we're going to be talking with the Locked On Broncos podcast and talk about the differences between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. We know the Chargers have been, you know, burned by Drew Locke before unfortunately, but he also, you know, had an interception and a fumble within like five plays the last time he was out there. So I think that bodes well for the Chargers. We'll see what they have to say about it coming up after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast, and it's betonline.ag. And right now, guys, you have the college football playoff coming up on Friday, right? You have Alabama, Cincinnati, you have Georgia, Michigan, huge bowl games to bet on. The number one place for all pro and college football action is betonline.ag. You guys can check out the new Props, odds, and lines, the best they've ever had over at Bet Online. And they remain your number one spot for all sports action this season. This is one of the best times of the year to be betting on sports. You have college and pro basketball, you have the NHL, you have, you know, NFL and college football, as well as UFC coming back with some big cards in January. I mean, so much things to bet on, and everything is more exciting when you have some action on the game. The only place I put my money is with Bet Online. So if you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up, you guys can even get some free money to play with. If you use the promo code locked on, you can get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's promo code locked on, all caps, one word for a 50% welcome bonus, free money to play with. And the best bets to win are when you're betting with someone else's money. So check, cash in on that right now, guys. Get in on this bowl season and make yourself some money, whether it's, you know, baseball. And then when that comes back, if it ever comes back, basketball, football, NHL, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is the only place that you can go because bet online is where the game starts. It's another episode of a Locked On NFL crossover AFC West divisional matchup this week between the Denver Broncos traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers in a rematch from early on in the season. Both teams coming off of losses, and there's two games remaining to break it all down. I'm Cody Orca, Lockdown Broncos. My co-host, Sarah Bettinger of Lockdown Broncos, and we're talking with Locked On Chargers host, Daniel Wade. Dan, 
Great to see you, my man, as always. Obviously, uh, a lot has changed since these teams first played early on the season in Denver, and obviously they're kind of finding themselves in dire straits here with two games remaining. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some similarities just because I think when the Chargers played the Broncos the first time, they were 6-4, and four, but they started 4-1, and one, right? So they were sliding a little bit when it came to that Broncos game. But I think you had a totally different outlook of the team and a different outlook of the playoff picture, right? And right now, it's down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, this is a must-win game for the Chargers, so it's going to be hugely important. It is. And the last game that these two teams played against each other, it was must-win for, for obviously both teams, but I feel like things have really changed in that regard for the Denver Broncos, at least the vibe from among the fan base. I mean, it feels like the Broncos are kind of just out of it at this point, so who knows how they're going to kind of approach this game. But obviously, like you mentioned before we started this show, the Chargers dealing with a lot of COVID issues going into this game as well. Yeah, and I mean, you saw how much it affected him last week, just missing a lot of those players. I mean, I think luckily, and this is something we talked about on our show last night, like the CDC changing the guidelines, making it five, you know, 10 to five days is huge just because Mike Williams, you know, popped late last week and he was done for two games. Like, and it was just like, you know, and I know Cody, you know, retweeted and was just like, hey, Mike Williams is out for the Broncos game. That's not necessarily the case now. So, I mean, that is huge news for the Chargers because, the one thing we've seen with this team, an inconsistent team, is just that it's not a super deep team. Like, and we knew that going into the season. It is a pretty top-heavy team. So it looks like a completely different team when you're missing some of the players the Chargers were missing last week. Starting center, Joey Bosa, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Michael Davis, you know, just to name a few. Like That's like not even a third of the list of the guys they were missing last week. So we're starting to see some reinforcements coming back already this week. But you're still in a tricky spot because, I mean, it's four or five names a day for the Chargers right now. I mean, that's just been the reality of it. And even with the five-day change-up, right, I mean, the Chargers still haven't had somebody test positive and play in the next game, right? If they tested positive that week, vaccinated or unvaccinated, they have not played in the next game at all so far this season. So even with the back-to-back negative tests and all the qualifiers that can get you back in the game, we still haven't seen it yet. So it's still kind of a hold-your-breath moment. And obviously, guys are still coming back. But at the same time, I mean, from here on out for the rest of the week, any new names that pop up on there with that, you know, something that seems to be wildly spreading throughout the Chargers organization right now, those guys, even with the new rules, will be out. So a lot of positive reinforcements probably coming back this week. But like, I mean, obviously you're one, you know, Justin Herbert test away from changing everything completely. And I think that's just what the NFL has been this year. And obviously, NFL teams are taking every precaution necessary in facility. I know the Broncos have transitioned some of the media settings to Zoom now and obviously in-person stuff. And they've hold, they've held a lot of virtual meetings with, with players. But, you know, in this matchup in particular, you know, let's assume everything goes off without a hitch here. Obviously, in this rematch, you're looking at it to where this Chargers defense, they've given up some big yardage games to opposing offenses in the last three games. Really, what has been the biggest issue so far with the Chargers during these last three games against the opponent? that they had obviously last week against the Texans but more importantly is there anything that stands out in particular as to why they've struggled defensively with giving up so much Uh, yeah I mean I think you look at one thing in particular if you're trying to boil it down to one thing it's the lack of Derwin James I mean that's been the one main constant throughout those games and he has isn't hasn't been a COVID thing right he's had a hamstring injury but I mean you saw the difference when he was out there and when he was not in the Kansas City Chiefs game And the one thing he does that, you know, he probably doesn't get enough credit for is all the things he's erasing down the field, all the explosive plays that he's shutting down by making an open field tackle or getting up to the line of scrimmage, getting downhill quickly. Like those are things that 
the Chargers have severely lacked the last couple of weeks. I mean, big plays, giant plays after, you know, another. And, like, that was one of the strengths of this team early on was, yeah, they weren't good against the run, but they were really limiting explosive plays by opposing offenses. And, I mean, you let the Houston Texans go for a 94-yard touchdown drive right before half, you know, that there's something going terribly wrong there. You give up, you know, pass of 36 and 41 for a touchdown. And I think the other thing is just not being connected in the secondary has been a huge thing for this team, whether it's Derwin James or missing Michael Davis or missing Asante Samuel Jr. for six weeks with a concussion, having Chris Harris Jr. go on injured reserve, missing Nazir Adderley. Like, I think the starting five players from Daniel Popper of The Athletic have played like 82 snaps and they're starting secondary together this year. And I think that you've really seen that kind of come to fruition over the last couple of games, like what it's like when you're not connected back there and how many big plays that will allow. And I think that's really led to the jump of, you know, yardage totals and point totals. But I mean, let's be clear about one thing. I mean, it hasn't been a good defense all year with or without Derwin James, with or without Joey Bosa. The defense hasn't been good all season, and you're seeing what happens if you are missing even one or two of those guys, let alone five or six. How much you know dramatically different that looks? That, that's Broncos fans can totally relate with that. I no doubt about that for sure. So I, I want to ask about Justin Herbert. Obviously, from from our perspective, you know he's an MVP caliber player, and I'm sure from the Chargers fan perspective as well. There's only so far that a quarterback can carry a team, though. We've seen that with Justin Herbert. I mean, he's been posting unbelievable statistics his first couple seasons. He's put some of the – I mean, we saw that Kansas City game where the Chargers fell short a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Justin Herbert was awesome in that game. But there's, like I said, there's only so far he can take you. And obviously, you still have a couple more weeks before you can really – or maybe more before you really do kind of a reflection on the season that was. But – what were kind of your expectations for Herbert going into this season and how has he met, exceeded? Has he been yeah. doing exactly what you guys thought? Like where where are you guys at with Justin Herbert uh, 15 games into this season? I mean, ecstatic, uh, you know, just because like you've seen it's not a mirage, right? Like, I mean, I think even the, the biggest Charger fans, as much as they love Justin Herbert year one, it's like you still wanted to see a little bit more because especially with Charger fans, you know, with their history it's like they don't have nice things very often right you know this is why we can't have nice things you're a little hesitant to fully buy into the new guy and I think he's so far in a way exceeded those expectations no matter what kind of the national media attention towards him has been because he's also been one of those guys where he'll have a good month that he's a top five quarterback and you know the national media perspective and he'll have two poor games or at least outside looking in poor games and then it's like, oh, well, may, are we too soon about the Joe Burrow, Joe, you know, Justin Herbert talk or the Tua talk? Like, <laughs> there's been so much talk around him that, like, I think what gets lost is how good he has been. And just the fact that, you know, wins aren't a quarterback stat. And, I mean, he's been a major part in a lot of the big wins for the Chargers this year. But what it boils down to is if Justin Herbert doesn't have a good game, the Chargers aren't winning games, right? And, like, that's just – they're not a team that's built well enough. I mean, I think they're – 30th in special teams DVOA and like 31st in scoring defense. So like that's two thirds of your team, two of the three phases of your team that have been far below average so far this season. And when they lose, you know, it highlights the Justin Herbert interceptions. It puts a spotlight on those things. But like in that Kansas City Chiefs game, right? Two minutes and 16 seconds left. He just had a go ahead fourth quarter game winning drive and they come back and match it and go ahead and win in overtime. Right. But that gets forgotten about in the grand scheme of things. But I think it's, it's been huge, right? And new offense, 
you know, and that's been the story of his life, like five new offensive coordinators, like four new head coaches the last five years. And he's still, you know, done exactly kind of what he's done the first year. I mean, are they taking enough deep shots, all of those things? I mean, now all those things are a good discussion to have, but he still has it. He's still one of the most efficient deep passers in the league. He still has the cannon arm. He's making better decisions. I mean, I think last week, you know, the first Josh Palmer interception, I thought that was a bad decision. Brandon Staley disagreed. I thought it was a late throw that he threw, you know, because they were trying to take a shot and they didn't necessarily need to on first down right before half. They ended up coming back in a 94-yard touchdown drive. But then the pick six, I mean, you have your tight end, Jericho, cutting a route short, you know, and then you're, he's throwing it to a spot where now a defender is there. You know, whether or not it would have been a good enough game for you to make that throw, I think, is a conversation. But that's the second time this happened this year. But I think the big thing is that there haven't been a ton of interceptable passes. Like, it's not just the lack, you know, of interceptions, the lack of making bad decisions. But, like, I think that there's just been so few interceptable passes and things like that outside of the ones that have been caught that you're really happy with his decision-making and you're still seeing improvements in his progressions, you know, using his eyes to lick safeties off and opening up little holes for his receivers and dealing with a lot of moving parts. So Justin Herbert, I think has been great. And I don't know if he's necessarily MVP this season, but I mean, he's in the conversation or, you know, maybe right on the outside looking in, which I think is all you can ask for for a second year quarterback. I know Broncos fans wish they had Justin Herbert. I was a huge fan of him coming out of the University of Oregon. Had a chance to watch him when he was a high school player, a Sheldon. Uh, just very, very special talent there. I know Broncos country is aching and wishing he would have came out a year sooner than he actually did. But Broncos country and obviously Chargers Nation coming up here in just a moment. We're going to flip the script. Dan's going to ask Sarah and I some questions about this Denver Broncos team. Two games remain in the season. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But real quick, I want to give a special shout out to all the listeners, Lockdown Broncos and also Lockdown Chargers. Thank you for making our show was your first listen of the day every single day for all the content and coverage you need all year long with the teams that you root for with the Broncos, the Chargers. We have you covered here, the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, we're back here with Crossover Thursday, Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers. Huge game. I mean, the playoffs start this weekend for the Chargers. So there's no amount of, you know, things that you could say about this game that wouldn't be true about how important it is, whether they want to downplay it or not. I mean, this is the playoffs for the Chargers and they're going up against a team that already beat them, you know, and I think that's what's tough is you just for me specifically, like how is the Chargers offense going to fare, right? But the other big part of that too is how is the Denver Broncos offense going to fare against a defense that's been a sieve lately and just has been leaking confidence and a lot of points. So one thing that we do know, you know, that we did get news about today, Ian Rappaport reporting that Drew Locke will probably be starting this weekend and it's hard to know how to feel about that, right? Because Drew Locke, as Chargers fans know, is explosive, right? And that can go good and bad, and I'm sure you guys know that as well. And we've seen it in Chargers games, him scoring, you know, three or four touchdowns in the fourth quarter against the Chargers and all that. But in the first matchup, I think Teddy Bridgewater was what the Char- or the Broncos needed that day against the Chargers. Drew Locke came in, had an interception and a fumble that somehow went for a first down to Tim Patrick. I'm still annoyed about that. But... Cody, what do you think, you know, are the pros and the cons? Because I know you've talked about, you know, you're seeing some downfield throws and things like that. You might not see with Teddy Bridgewater, but it also comes with some risks as well. You know, the double fumble last week and some crazy stuff happens when Drew Locke gets in there. So when you see that Drew Locke is the starting quarterback this week, how does that make you feel? 
Well, you know, I think for the most part, when we go back and watch his performance against the Raiders, he played a pretty solid game for the most part. He just couldn't get help from the offensive line. The offensive line probably had their worst performance of the season from a protection standpoint and also being able to try to get the run game going. A lot of whiffs, a lot of missed assignments that allowed the Raiders, who were the 26th ranked rushing defense, to shut down the Broncos rushing attack of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Between the two of them, they each had you know 14 carries combined. And only eight yards. Mm. Daniel, that is insane when you think about it. When you look at the talent that the Broncos have at That's the tailback position, they were really limited. But, you know, Drew Locke, he, he made some really good throws. He had a couple of misses and obviously some plays maybe he'd like back. But he didn't put the Broncos in harm's way with his play, which is something that you like to see. And the downfield tack was there. I mean, being able to take shots downfield, it gives you a little bit more optimism, I'd say, in these final two games for the Broncos having a downfield passing attack because defenses have really started to adjust now to what the Broncos are able to do, and really it's primarily run the football. Now that you have Drew Locke there, if the Broncos can get the run game going and kind of bounce back from last week against the Raiders, they have a chance to air it out as well, but Drew will have to protect the football. Can he do it two weeks in a row? That's a big question. I think it's one of the biggest questions in this game because I think one of the things that covered up some of the Chargers' defensive issues early on were the turnovers that they were forcing. So I think that is going to play a huge factor. But, Sayer, obviously that's the game plan. If you're the Broncos, seeing what the Texans did, I mean, the Texans were averaging 77 rushing yards going into last week per game, put up a buck 90 against the Chargers' defense, and they're getting some reinforcements back. I mean, I saw that the Chargers with Justin Jones, one defensive tackle on the field, are averaging you know 3.5 yards per carry against them. Without Justin Jones, it's 5.3. That's a two-yard difference, which seems wild for one player to have that substantial of a difference. But they were missing dudes, obviously. Either way, it still seems like that would be the game plan. Yeah, you have to you know, cover the whole field when it is Drew Locke, which maybe opens some things up for the running game. But, I mean, from my perspective and the outside looking in, like you want to be smash-mouth football in this game. You want to make the Chargers you know, limit the possessions of Justin Herbert get that two-headed monster back there going. And I think that's their clearest path to victory. I think you're spot on with that. Absolutely. And I think definitely that run game setting up the pass, even though the the Raiders had a lot of success defending the run against the Broncos, I feel like that was that was definitely an area where the Broncos utilized, you know, their the threat of the run to open up things for Drew Locke. And that's that's exactly where he has had the most success since he came into the NFL, dating back to his rookie season in 2019, Drew Locke off play action. He's actually pretty darn good. And I, I mean, you can't run play action every single play. But man, you know, you see you see like all these different analytics outlets and how hard they are on Drew Locke. And, and rightfully so in many respects, pro football focus being the first and foremost, they gave him a really good grade this past weekend. And because he was hitting a lot of those throws, like Cody mentioned, those downfield throws that he made in this last game against the Raiders came a lot off play action and those deep crossing routes that they like to run with Jerry Judy. And well, so, sometimes with Jerry Judy, sometimes with other guys, but drop passes really plagued the Broncos in this game. And so I feel like you still have to go with that same type of formula. You've got to believe that what we did against the the Raiders is going to work if these guys can just catch the ball. So set up those deep passing plays with the running game, establish the ground game with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and see what kind of happens with Drew Locke at, you know, kind of as a byproduct of that. Because right now it doesn't look like either Broncos quarterback, you know, like you mentioned that Chargers game from last season where Drew Locke scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. We, we just haven't seen anything really like that from the Broncos quarterbacks this season. And so you got to you got to establish the ground game early to kind of try to establish yourself as the, you know, for lack of a better term, alpha in this type of game. 
Yeah, and when I think Drew Locke, the, the word is always volatility, right? Which is always a positive and a negative. But it's like if you can reduce those bad plays, the really bad plays, I mean, the exciting plays are definitely there. I mean, I've seen it firsthand against the Chargers. Some ridiculous throws that he's made in some big moments against them as well. So, I mean, there are some positives there. And he also, you know, might have a couple of turnovers this week. But from a bigger perspective, Cody, I know one thing that you guys have kind of been going through all season is just what the Broncos are going to do with their head coach. And I mean, Vic Fangio is a defensive guy, right? You know, you see a 15 to 10 loss and, you know, the joke out there is like, you know, Vic Fangio is okay with that. Like a low scoring game, kind of grind it out type of a thing. But I've also, you know, follow you and seen kind of how you feel about it. Is it a done deal? I mean, obviously, defensively, the Broncos, I think they're now the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, that part of it is obviously working. Is it a done deal, even though, like, that part of it, he's kind of getting the job done? Like, there's no thought of, like, okay, Pat Shermer, you know, we can get a new offensive mind in here because the defense is obviously going well. Is it done at this point to you? Uh, not entirely sure here. I mean, Vic has had his struggles as a head coach. I think his game management has been very, very That's another poor. Big thing. That's yeah. been a huge thing. Yeah. He's been a great defensive coordinator. You know, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those dilemmas George Payton will have to face at the end of the season. Obviously, you know, what, what Vic has done as a head coach in terms of the defense is great, but as a head coach, he, the team has struggled in various other areas, and that does fall on him. So, yeah. you know, the only way that Sarah and I kind of pinpointed, look, if the Broncos win out these final two games, the defense defense has played really well. Obviously, if you want to preserve that scheme, we've talked about it. Vic Fangio will have to make a lot of changes, and maybe George Payton has that conversation with him, that he is going to pick the next offensive coordinator and special teams coordinator for the team, and that Vic's going to really have to do a better job of overseeing all that and letting those guys do their job because there's been a general vibe that we've talked about. It doesn't seem like at times Vic trusts his coaching staff or his players, and that is a little bit of an issue, but he is willing to defend his coaching staff in a sense, and sometimes put the accountability, the blame on the players, which has also created a little bit of a negative vibe towards the perception of him. So, sure. you know, a lot of questions, you know, maybe you ask and you keep and retain a guy like Ed Donatel, but usually he and Vic have always been a package deal wherever they go. Or maybe you promote a young guy like Christian Parker within to the defensive coordinator if you're George Payton. I mean, so many things right here to consider. You know, for me personally, I like Vic as a DC, but, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of his style, a lot of his personality has rubbed a lot of people the, the wrong way. Certainly some players in the locker room, it's rubbed the wrong way. But more importantly, just he hasn't gotten it done as a head coach, and that's the most important metric. And obviously it's something to monitor as well. So uh, right now I'm not sure, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And obviously the Chargers went through their own thing like that. Like, Brandon Staley, I've loved the way he's been as a head coach, you know. And then after losses, it's always going to get questioned, things like that. But, I mean, the Chargers defense hasn't been good, right? And that's obviously when fans are like, he's a defensive genius. Like, what is happening here? Like, this is what he was brought in to do. But I think the point is, like, being a head coach is an all-encompassing position. It's not just yep. having a good defense. It's being good in game management situation. It's being able to pick the right offensive mind to run your scheme, you know, and be able to take some of that off your plate. But – Either way, it's a great defense, and the Chargers always struggle with this defense. Now, you know, they've made strides the number one scoring defense in the NFL series. So before we wrap up real quick, I just want to know, like, is there a specific weakness to this defense? Because I watch it, and I mean, I mean, there's some nitpicking things that you could do, but, like, I don't even know, you know, going into my own, you know, preview show and stuff like that, what the specific area the Chargers should do outside of just trying to play towards their strengths. Yeah, the Broncos have had a slight vulnerability, I think, this season, kind of sprinkled throughout, not like necessarily a consistent thing, but the run defense has kind of yeah. been sporadically weak for them. We saw that last weekend against the Raiders. 
I mean, Vic Fangio punted the ball away with like, I think four, just around four minutes left in the game. And uh, he punted the ball away, gave it to the Raiders. Of course, you're thinking, well, you know, what's the worst case scenario? They're going to they're gonna score a field goal and we'll have to score a touchdown anyway. But the Raiders were able to kind of just bleed the clock out with these just chunk runs, four yards, five yards, four yards. And, and, and the Broncos weren't able to get at the line of scrimmage and really win at the line of scrimmage. And that's somewhere that that's kind of been an issue for them as they've really cycled in a bunch of linebackers. You know, they've had yeah. so much turnover at the linebacker position. And and I think right now the guys that they have out there could be the future at the position for them. Jonas Griffith has really stepped up and, and Baron Browning has looked really good. But at the same time, those guys, they're not they're not just quite there in terms of consistency yet. Filling those gaps, they make a lot of the splash plays that people want to see. They're super athletic and they look good in coverage a lot of times. But fitting those running lanes consistently has been a bit of an issue for the Broncos. Not necessarily just on the D-line, but at the second level. You see a lot of times Kareem Jackson come flying in to make a tackle that might save a touchdown or might save like a, a huge gain. Those linebackers, in my opinion, are, are the key to the Broncos being able to have that dominant type of defense because yeah they'll let you they'll let you down the field but they'll stop you in the red zone but mm. before inside the 20s there there's a little bit of a weak spot in terms of the run defense and I think it kind of starts and ends with how well these young linebackers play yeah and I mean the Chargers are going through some of that right now too and it's nice to see you know when guys are injured and put on injured reserve other guys stepping up and getting a glimpse into something you might not have seen otherwise unfortunately for the Chargers it hasn't really gone that way uh, and you're seeing kind of guys get exposed and kind of the lack of depth after the top line starters for the Chargers. But, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the same thing going in the last game. And I think Justin Herbert was their leading rusher with 36 rushing yards. So they weren't necessarily, will, you know, ready to take advantage of that weakness if it was there. And, I mean, they're not the most physically dominating offensive line, but it is a more physically dominating offensive line, especially that left side with Sean Slater, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, if he can come back this week, than we've seen in a long time. And that's a nice thing for the Chargers to be able to build on it. I think if when they do run the ball, that's going to be where they're trying to follow because Rashawn Slater, even as a rookie, has been physically dominant to the point where you're like, how is this dude doing this You know, as a 22-year-old in the league? But I'm really excited for this matchup. Huge stakes on the line for both teams. Head coaching positions potentially on the line. Playoff <laughs> positions potentially on the line. But I'm super excited to watch it, and I'm you know very nervous for the Chargers after that first go-around. Hopefully for Chargers fans, Things are different, but thank you to all fans for making us your first listen. Whether it's Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers, you're getting the best from both teams every day from your host. So thank you guys. Cody, Sayre, always love getting on with you guys. Even when I'm a little sick, it's always fun to chop it up and you know get into this matchup. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think it will be even closer than the first time around. But make sure you guys are subscribing to the Locked On Chargers and Locked On Broncos YouTube channel and find the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. But let's get ready for a big-time matchup this weekend. We'll talk to you guys later.